Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Brett. I want to welcome everyone watching online today. So good to have you with us, too. So we're beginning a new series here today called Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It. Okay, and the main purpose for this series is to be ready. We want to be ready. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul instructs Timothy to always be ready. Always be ready to share God's truth, whether in season or out of season. The Greek word for ready in that scripture uh, comes from the word stand. And so the idea is that we're always uh, standing by, that we'll always be on duty, always ready to go. Okay, and that word always also actually carries uh, a sense of urgency with it, that word ready in the Greek. It's kind of like a soldier that's standing by, that's ready to go, that's ready to battle. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16 says, Instead you must worship Christ as Savior, as Lord of your life. I just added the word Savior there. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. In verse 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. And so that word uh, uh, in, in the New King James Version says, give, be ready to give a defense. So the word defense is that word apologia. Okay, it's where we get the word apologetics. And it literally means to make a defense, to give an explanation, or to give good reasons for. So we need to be ready to give good reasons for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs answers. Is that true? And so we need to be ready to communicate not just what we believe, but also why we believe it. And our answer needs to be better than well, we just accept it. We just believe it on faith, right? We just take it on faith. Well, I just grew up in a church, so that's just what I believe, okay? We gotta do better than that, okay? That, uh, that's not going to help anyone understand our hope, and that's certainly not gonna help anyone move toward our hope in Jesus Christ. And unbelievers have really good questions. And so we need to have really good answers, we need to be ready, okay? And so in this series, we're going to actually be talking about some topics that, that the church typically doesn't talk about and talking about some topics that, that I think typically the church is very uncomfortable talking about, okay? And so here's some of the topics. I think this was, I think I gave you this, but here's some of the topics we're going to be, be talking about. Uh, creationism. Divorce and remarriage, gender and sexuality, uh, pornography and masturbation, mental illness and depression, racism, and world religions. How's that sound? <laughs> I'm going to take this moment to ask you to pray for me. Um, and so typically I think the church isn't comfortable talking about these things, but, but the problem with that is the world does talk about these things. 
and, and the world's agenda is right in front of our faces every day. Is that true? How many of you know that this world is governed by the enemy? John 12, 31 says, The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. So you can be sure that the world's agenda is really the enemy's agenda. And how many of you also agree with me that Satan can't be the only voice talking about these things? Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. He only speaks lie. And if, if the world, if the enemy is the only one talking about these topics, the, then the church and then the next generations are going to start to adopt these worldviews of this fallen world that is ruled by the enemy. And we're going to start to believe the lies, and many already have. All those, some of those topics that I'm talking about, there's much confusion and there must, there's much division in the church surrounding those topics because we're not talking about them. So we can't afford to be uncomfortable. Our kids can't afford us to be uncomfortable. We can no longer avoid difficult and unpleasant conversations. We need to know what God's Word has to say about these topics, and we need to stand on God's word together. Does that sound okay? And so I know I jokingly was saying, but I'm seriously asking you to pray for this series and, and pray for each other. You know, just even looking around today, I see a lot of people that are not here today. We need to be here. We need to hear this. We need to be unified in this. We need to come together on this. We need to know what God says about this. So let's pray for each other that we can all be here, right? And I'm not, down, I'm not coming down on anyone that's not here. I understand that, you know, there's, there's things that happen and we get sick and, and whatever. And so that's why we need to pray for each other, okay? So that's going to be our upcoming series. Um, today, I'm going to talk about what I, I would consider probably the least controversial of these, of these issues. I kind of wanted to start... It's a little easier. So, so we're going to deal with creationism. And, and for some of you, might not even think that is uh, an issue. Um, uh, but we're going to take a look at it today. Uh, there's really two accepted theories uh, today for the creation of all things. One is biblical creation, and one is evolution. Okay, the account for biblical creation is in Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Okay, and essentially and generally speaking, generally speaking, it would be defined this way. God created everything, including the universe and all life, within a literal six-day period by speaking it into existence around 6,000 years ago. Generally speaking, that is the biblical creation definition or description. Okay, so here's the evolution definition. The natural process, the, na the word natural is key there. The natural process by which all life derived from a single ancestor. Okay, and that all started with a big bang. So about 18 to 20 billion years ago, evolution would say that <clears throat> the entire universe, all the matter in the universe, 
was, was the size of a dot, a very hot, very dense little dot, no bigger than the size of a period on a page, okay? And then uh, that dot, also it's important to say that evolution would say that that dot came from nothing. If you ask where did the dot come from, the answer is nothing. Then that dot would, uh, that dot spun around until uh, it exploded. And from that explosion was galaxies, stars, planets, earth, sun, and moon. And that explosion was the Big Bang. How many of you have learned that in school? Okay, some of you have learned that. And then 4.6 billion years ago, so the Earth's surface was very, was very hot with bubbling lava, and after millions of years of rain, it, it kind of created this prim, primordial prehistoric pool or soup. And then when lightning struck that, life spontaneously generated from non-living elements. And after eons of time, um, the, the life, that simplest life form that was created, which would have been a single-celled organism, single-celled organism, uh, gradually evolved to be more complex and more complex and more complex until finally man was created through many processes of mutation and death and natural selection and mutation and death and natural selection, and so on and so forth. Okay, so does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay, so that is evolution. So here's what I want to do today, okay? I want to, I want to do two things. I want to first, I want to challenge the misconception that evolution is based on science. I want to challenge that today. And the second thing I want to do is I want to expose what I believe to be the real agenda behind evolution and, and, and talk about the devastating implications, the devastating effects that it's had on our world. Okay? Does that sound all right? Are we ready to go? So it's going to be a little different kind of message today. You might want to take out a pen and paper and, and jot some of this stuff down. Um, but uh, I trust that, that the Lord's going to help, help us through this here today. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for being faithful. I thank you for meeting us where we are. And God, I just pray that your word is going to speak to us today. I pray that your, your word is going to break strongholds today in Jesus' name. Any thinking that is contrary to your word, I pray, is going to be broken today. In Jesus' name, I pray for freedom. I pray for freedom today for us, Lord, in our thinking. And, and God, I just pray that, that nothing's going to prevent us from hearing your word and responding to your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So first of all, challenging that misconception. So there is a big misconception that these two theories... Um, is that many people believe that biblical creation is only supported through faith and completely ignorant of science. And evolution is completely supported through science and doesn't rely on faith whatsoever. 
Okay, but the reality is creationists often appeal to science to support and validate biblical creation, and there's much evidence in the natural world to confirm that faith. Evolutionists have no choice but to, make, to take much of their belief in evolution, and I would say all of their fundamental belief in evolution, on faith outside the realms of science. So let's just begin. Here's the definition of science. It is systematic knowledge of the physical or material world gained through observation and experimentation. So science is based on observation and experimentation in the natural world, okay? So here's the problem with that definition for, for evolutionists. So, so I've got a, a cell phone here, okay? Please don't call me or text me because that's what you do whenever I hold up my cell phone, okay? So I've got my cell phone here. Phil's already got his phone out. That is just rude, Pastor Phil. And so, and so here's my cell phone. I would like you to try to explain the origin of this phone, but you're not allowed to use man as an answer. Okay? You can only use the materials in this phone to explain its origin and prove how this phone came to be. So where did the glass and the circuits and the sensors and the chips all come from? Okay? See, see, I've already eliminated the only obvious and realistic answer to the problem. There was a creator of this phone. Does that make sense? Okay. And so evolutionists have eliminated the most reasonable answer to creation because the creator doesn't fit in their definition of science. And so here's what a professor at the Department of Biology at Kansas State had to say. He said, even if all the data, even if all the data point to an intelligent designer, such a hypothesis is excluded from science because it's not naturalistic. Okay? So remember, science is the study of things that we can test and observe in the natural world, okay? And, and that definition of science actually eliminates both biblical creation and evolution as a reasonable scientific explanation of, of the origin of life. Because both creation, both views of creation are based on faith. The evolutionist would say, in the beginning, a dot. The creationist would say, in the beginning, God. Right? So both are statements of faith. Both are outside of something you can observe and test in the natural world. They are 100% both belief systems. No one has ever seen God create the earth in all life. No one's ever seen that. Okay? So there is a faith element necessary. But creationists don't deny a faith element. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. What's our evidence? Our faith, right? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was invisible. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Okay? So, so yes, creation is a belief system, and so is evolution. The entire description and definition of evolution has never been observed or, or confirmed in experimentation. 
and it can't be replicated even though they have tried extensively to replicate it. No one has observed all the universes the size of a dot. No one has seen it explode and create everything we see, including all life. Right? No one can answer the question, where did the matter come from in the, in the first place? Evolution's answer is nothing. How can something come from nothing? Right? First law of thermodynamics is that matter can't be created or destroyed. Of course, we know better. But evolution from the beginning violates its own scientific principle. Okay? Why, why was the entire universe the size of a dot? How is that possible? Why did it explode? When has an explosion ever created order? Explosions are not creative. They're destructive. It's like blowing up a pile of lumber and it becoming a log house. How could life spontaneously generate from non-living elements? That has never been proven through experimentation or observation. It's never been replicated. Why is there no evidence of one species evolving into another species? The only evidence that we have is microevolution. Microevolution is changes within a species. So we've got wolves and we've got jackals and foxes and we've got 373 different breeds of dogs. But, but what are they? What are all of those? Those are all dogs. They're all considered to be canine species. They're within the same species. So yes, we've got absolutely changes and variations within species. And, and God confirmed that in biblical creation. In Genesis one twenty four. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. That's its species, right? And so, of course, there's going to be changes and variations within a species, but no one has ever observed macroevolution. So when people are talking about evolution, they're not talking about microevolution. They're talking about macroevolution, and that is changing evolving from one species to another. That's a dog changing to an ape, changing to a human. Okay, and it's not supported in the fossil record. How many of you have heard of the missing link? Okay, that's referring to the fossils or the creatures between two different species like humans and apes. So those, those four creatures in between the, the ape and the man, you are only going to see those in pictures. But there is no physical evidence of those creatures. Okay? Everything that has been, been uh, presented as evidence has been proved to be false. Okay? So there, there should not be thousands. There should be millions of fossils of those four creatures in between ape and human. But there's not even one that supports macroevolution. So all of those questions I just asked, none of those questions can be answered by an evolutionist. And all of those questions require faith outside of science, not seen or tested. Here's a quote from Michael Ruse. He's a, he's a leading anti-creationist philosopher. He says, evolution is, evolution is promoted by its practitioners as more than mere science. Evolution is promulgated as an ideology, a secular religion, a full-fledged alternative to Christianity with meaning and morality. I'm an ardent evolutionist and an ex-Christian, but I must admit that in this one complaint, the liberalists are absolutely right. Evolution is a religion. 
This was true of evolution in the beginning, and it is true of evolution still today. Okay, so make no mistake about it. Evolution is a religion, okay, and you do need faith to believe in evolution outside of science. And the reason why people would choose evolution, who have actually studied evolution, okay, and, and really understand evolution and creation, biblical creation, is because they don't like the alternative. This is, this is an incredible quote here by Dr. George Wall, and it's incredibly honest. He's a professor emeritus of biology at Harvard University. He won the Nobel Prize in biology in 1971, writing in Scientific American on the Origin of Life. This is what he said. There are only two possibilities as to how life arose. One is spontaneous generation arising to evolution. The other is a supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. Spontaneous generation that life arose from non-living matter was scientifically disproved 120 years ago by Louis Pasteur and others. That leaves us with only one possible conclusion that life arose as a supernatural creative act of God. I will not accept that. I will not accept that, that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe what I know is scientifically impossible spontaneous generation arising to evolution. Two theories. God did it. It just happened. To say it just happened is impossible, but I believe it because I don't want to believe in God. See, for many people, if evolution is false, that means that the alternative is true, and that means God's real. And if God is real, that means that people are not the supreme rulers of this world. And that means that there is a higher standard. And, and that means that, that we've not met that standard. And that means that there's eternal consequences for our decisions and the way that we live our life. And that means heaven and hell are realities. And some people, like this professor, choose to believe in something they know is impossible because they don't want to believe the alternative. They want to be the God of their life instead of acknowledging that there is God. So let's talk a, a couple minutes here. Let's just talk about two of, of evolution's kind of biggest faith claims. I call them faith claims. Um, and then I want to talk about uh, the dangers of evolution. So, so first of all is, is uh, the, the second law of thermodynamics. So, so one of the fu fundamental, universal, best proven laws of nature completely rules out uh, the possibility of the evolutionary process. The second law of thermodynamics is also uh, known as the law of increasing entropy. Have you ever heard of that before? The law of increasing entropy. And basically that, all that means is everything tends toward disorder, breakdown, and destruction over time. Once you are in your 40s, you learn that this is true. Okay. I am breaking down every day. <laughs> and so this law applies to all the natural systems in the world, physical, chemical, biological, geological, it doesn't matter. It applies to all the systems. Okay, the Bible confirms this. The Bible confirms this is true. Hebrews 1, 10, 11 says, He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish... 
but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. That is the law of increasing entropy right there. So God created the laws that govern our world, and evolution doesn't fit them. Okay, And so the evolutionist's response to this is the sun's energy. Evolutionists say that if you add the energy from the sun, you can overcome the law of entropy. Okay, here's the problem with that, though, is the sun's energy is destructive. Okay, all you, you don't have to look farther than your roof. Okay? How many of you had to change the shingles on your roof? Okay, when, when God said that man was meant to toil, that's what he meant. We have to change the shingles on our roof. It is horrible. It is a horrible experience. And in your 40s, it's worse. It's so much worse. And so in order for the sun's energy to, to, to overcome that, um, that law, there, there's a, you need a special system to harness that energy. Evolution has no such system. Please hear this. There has never been a violation of this law. There has never been a violation of this law. Ever. Ever. Okay, everything tends to run down and wear out. Even our sun, eventually, they admit, is going to burn out. Okay, um, I like this illustration. A plot of weeds left alone will never become a golf course, but a golf course left alone will always likely become a plot of weeds. I like this quote from chemist Harry Bent. He said, The odds of violating the second law of thermodynamics in producing life are the same odds of, as a, a group of monkeys randomly hitting typewriter keys 15 quadrillion times in succession without error and producing all of Shakespeare's works. Okay? That's the actual odds of that. In other words, that's impossible. Okay? Here's the second one, okay? Spontaneous generation of life. Spontaneous generation of life. This is a belief that the earth was, was that bubbling lava and through billions of years of rain became that pool, then lightning strikes, okay? And then, and then all of a sudden the chemicals in the pool link and, and create life, okay? So life coming to exist through non-living elements. Okay, remember, this process has never been seen or successfully tested. No one has ever been able to spontaneous generate life through non-living elements, okay? And so when we begin to understand the complexity of just the living cell, because remember, life, that, that life that was generated would have been a one-celled organism, okay? But if we, if we just understand the complexity of one cell, we can see that it is not a simple life form. Okay? And Charles Darwin, how many of you have heard of Charles Darwin? He's the father of evolution. He himself said, right, if, if, um, if a cell is more complicated than he understood in 1859, he said that his, his theory of evolution would fall apart. Okay? Because he knew... If there's a complex design of a cell, it would point to an intelligent designer and couldn't start as a simple life form. Okay, so today we know that the one cell is, is incredibly complex, and I don't, I'm not going to go into all the science of it. 
And I'm not even a science guy, and I don't even understand all the science of it, so I'd just be regurgitating things about proton molecules and amino acids and how they bind and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't like science. <laughs> but, but here's something I can, I can relate with. In every living cell, there is one DNA molecule. The purpose of the DNA molecule, it acts as a guidance system Okay, and it gives information to the amino acids and the protein molecules to come together, right, to create um, <clears throat> our bodies and to create life, okay? And, and so every cell, every cell has one DNA molecule, okay? So the information in one DNA molecule, the information in just one, one molecule, sorry, um, could fill... Uh, 500,000 pages of paper. So a thousand of these. A thousand of these. The information from one DNA molecule can, can fill a thousand of these. Okay? How many of you know how many DNA molecules are in the human body? There's over 10 trillion living cells. Over 10 trillion DNA molecules in the living body. If you take all the information in one person's DNA, you could wrap that information around the sun 260 times. Okay, there's the sun, there's the earth. Okay, that's how much information is stored in the, in, 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 in the human body, right? And, and that's the information in DNA molecules, Okay. Let me show you a picture of this carving of a tree. Ryan plus Jessica. Aw, I can't read that. What does that say after that? 2009? 6, 12? And apparently Noah, Zoe put that up there. So, so we don't have a Ryan and a Jessica, do we? Okay, I tried to pick a picture that didn't have our names in it. Okay, I'd be really embarrassed if I didn't do that right. But let me ask you a question. When you look at this picture, um, can, can you tell by looking at this picture that this happened by nature, by, by random chance? Or can you tell that there was a designer behind this, behind this carving? Obviously, we can see a designer, right? We can see that's intelligent design behind this. And, and why can we do that? Because of the information. Not just the information, but the sequencing of the information, right? The R and the Y and the A and then we, that's sequenced in a certain way, right? And, and so it's, it's easy to reason the design has an intelligent designer. And that's the same reason we can look at a living cell and know that we're created by an intelligent designer. The information and the sequencing of the information. Sir Fred Hoyle, British mathematician and astronomer, was quoted in Nature magazine saying, the chance that, high, that higher life forms might have emerged in this way is comparable with the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein. See, if evolutionists want to keep 
the, uh, God, the creator, out of the picture. They have to come up with naturalistic explanation for the origin of life, and they simply have not been able to do that. <clears throat> Was I successful in, in showing you that evolution is not based on science, but fundamental belief of evolution, 100%, is based on faith. Was I successful in that? Here's the next thing. Um, if you didn't think I was successful, <laughs> it's kind of an unfair question because no one's going to be like, no. <laughs> anyway, here's the, here's the second thing I want to do is I want us to understand the implications that evolution, because some, some of us, we, we talk about evolution, we talk about DNA, and we're like, who cares? Who cares? I love Jesus. Who cares? Okay? Um, but we need to understand how the idea of evolution is very dangerous. Evolution absolutely attacks our value and our purpose, 100%. It teaches us that we are an accident of nature. It eliminates the possibility of a loving creator. Evolution reduces the value of human life to that of animals. Okay, you say, well, that's a little extreme. Well, here's a quote from a textbook that has been taught in public schools. You are an animal and share a common heritage with earthworms. Now, please understand this. Please understand this. If you are taught and told that you're an animal, you're going to act like one. Evolution has significantly contributed, and I can give you current day examples of this. Evolution has significantly contributed to abortion, violence and abuse, suicide, rape, murder, and racism. Okay? And so I'm going to just pick on one of those. I'm going to talk about how it's influenced racism, okay? So evolution teaches that we have a common ancestor with primates, okay? The founder, the father of evolution, Charles Darwin. How many of you are familiar with his book, The Origin of Species? Okay. Now, a lot of people don't understand is, is that his book is, that's only part of the title of his book. The full name of Charles Darwin's book is this, The Origin of Species or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. That's actually the title of Charles Darwin's book. Okay? His book teaches that some races are more evolved than others. Here's, here's an excerpt from his book. At some future period, not very far distant as, removed, as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate the savage races of man and replace them throughout the world. The break between man and his nearest allies will then be wider. Look at this. Even the Caucasian and some apes as low as the baboon instead of now between the Negro or Australian and the gorilla. So this is not a quote from the Ku Klux Klan leader. This is from Charles Darwin. This is the father of evolution, and for me, this is the heart of evolution. This is the heart of it. Okay? 
Darwin was a racist. He calls people of black skin color or any other color than white a lower life form who have not yet evolved to the point which white people have. And he infers that someday all of those savage races will be exterminated by white people. Guess who was a huge fan of Charles Darwin and followed his book and his theology? Adolf Hitler was a strong believer in evolution. Okay, when you read his book, Mein Kampf, you can see that his mind was captivated by evolutionary thinking. Look what he said. I regard Christianity as the most fatal, seductive lie that ever existed. He who would live must fight. He who does not wish to fight in this world where permanent struggle is the law of life. Okay, right, that's right from the title of Darwin's book has not the right to exist. I do not see why man should not be just as cruel as nature. All that is not of pure race in this world is trash. So he believed the German race was was far more evolved from apes than other races. Hitler believed that black Africans were uh, predominantly ape. Hitler attended uh, the 1936 Olympics. Some of you remember Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens won several track and field gold medals uh, in Germany in front of Adolf Hitler. Um, And uh, this is what Hitler was quoted saying after, it's not fair to let my athletes race against an animal. Uh, So he actually believed that, though. That wasn't just a figure of speech. He believed the Jewish people to be close to pure ape. Do you think that kind of thinking might have been responsible for over six million Jews slaughtered by Hitler in the Holocaust in World War II. Okay. Um, Would the enemy want anything more than to exterminate God's chosen people? Okay, so that's like um, Saskatchewan and Manitoba and Alberta all being, all of us being exterminated, all of us being murdered because we haven't evolved from monkeys as much as the rest of the world. I know it's a downer. (laughs) So listen, that's what evolution says. But here's what God says. In Genesis 1, chapter 26, God tells us that we're created in His image and His likeness that we've got blood type G flowing through our veins, that we come from good stock. Amen? Amen. In, in Psalm 139, God says that you are fearfully and skillfully and carefully and lovingly and wonderfully made, that you're an original creation, that there is none like you. God says in Ephesians 2 that you are his masterpiece, that you have profound value and purpose, that you are priceless. God says that you are more than just chemicals in slime. You're not just a product of death and mutation. You're not an accident of nature, but you've been handcrafted. You are custom built. You are original and unique. You have a loving creator, and he put time and energy and thought and love into building you, and you are a masterpiece in his eyes. Hallelujah. But evolution doesn't just attack our hope for this world, but evolution attacks our hope for eternity too. 
Evolution teaches that Jesus never defeated death on the cross. Did you know that? Romans chapter 5, verse 12 and 17 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? See, the Bible teaches that death came into the world through Adam's sin. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, he also defeated death. Sin and death are tied to Adam's sin. But who is the hero of evolution? The hero of evolution is death. There had to be Trillions of deaths for evolution to work through mutation and natural selection, survival of the fittest. So if evolution is true, that would mean that death was already here billions of years before man and before Adam's sin. And that would mean that Jesus never conquered death on the cross when he died for our sins if, he didn't, if it didn't come through Adam's sin. And that would mean that we are still in the grave. So the hope of evolution. Evolution is not just another theory of creation, but it is a part of the enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy. It is a lie. It is designed to attack our value, our purpose, our hope, and it absolutely leaves us in the grave. The hope of biblical creation is that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. Hallelujah. And we've got hope for eternity because of Jesus, that he conquered the grave, and he defeated sin, and he defeated the gates of hell. And now we can live in the victory of Jesus right now, today. Hallelujah. The truth is God is our creator, and in him we have eternal hope. How many of you are so thankful for the truth? Amen? You know, I, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone here today to just accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And um, I'm just going to invite everyone, just maybe just, let's just bow our heads and, and close our eyes for a minute. And The reason why I do that is because this is just something that's just between you and the Lord and... and um, I just want to give someone an opportunity to do this without any, any fear or judgment or that kind of thing. But, but if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and, and maybe, maybe you didn't fully understand this, maybe you didn't fully understand creation, you didn't fully understand who God is and how much he loves you, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit's been talking to you today through this, and, and, and you know, He's just breaking down some lies in your heart and your mind. But if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you would like him to be your Lord and Savior, I just want to invite you just to, just to raise your hand right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you'd like to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hand down. And um, I'm just going to pray this prayer. I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Um, and and just, just pray it to yourself. And, and God knows your heart. And, uh, but let's just pray. God, um, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that he died and that he rose again. I thank you that through Jesus, my sins are forgiven. And, and God, I just, um, just want to love you. I just want to live my life for you. So help me to do that, Lord. Teach me how to love you. Teach me how to live my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we're just going to sing one more song here. And what I'd like to do in this song is I would like to give God some, some worship um, as God the Creator. Does that sound good? I'd like to give God some credit, give Him some honor and some glory for creating all things and creating us and, and loving us. Sound good? Amen.